As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder 1v1. We are joined today by Minnesota United manager Adrian Heath, who is managing the MLS All-Stars this week. You know, Adrian, I was thinking back a a long time ago, I was in the audience at a pub in Orlando when you got in trouble for tampering on a radio show. I'm going to try not to start you off getting in trouble for tampering, but you're managing an All-Star team. If If you could take a guy off of this team and stick him into your Minnesota United lineup right now, who are you taking? Who are you taking and why? Oh, hey, well, we've got an abundance of forward players, haven't we? I said to the guys this morning when we got together for the first little sort of uh, little get-together, I said, this is going to be really interesting and hard for me. We've got 10 number 10s, four centre-forwards, and we've got to come up with a team. So I think the thing is, Paul, that the one thing that this league has done over the last 10 years has consistently brought really good forward players in. Now we're bringing good young forwards in as well. So whether it be a goal scorer like Chicharito, whether it be Druisi, who's been terrific this year, you know, when it, whether it, you look at Brandon Vasquez, that is development over the last sort of year or two. I think any of the front players would always be welcome in any anybody's roster because the reason that they're here is because, and they're in the All-Star game, is because they do the hardest thing in football, which is to make and score goals. And the, the, a lot of these guys are doing it consistently. It's a good way to avoid a fine right there with that answer, Adrian. But yeah, this it is, is a dream. Well, you got me in trouble last time. It wasn't me. I was in the audience. I, I just want to put that out there on the record. Yeah, but, but you Adrian, were probing. You were, you were the guy who was giving, asking I, the questions. Always. Always, and you, you knew, know. And you knew I'd probably had two in me, so I was going to tell you something. <laughs> Well, Adrian, as an attacking player, this is your dream, though, right? To have this many number 10s and number 9s. You've always loved coaching forwards. And I wonder, uh, you know, just kind of whether when you're in training with these guys, how much of it is just let's try to have as much fun as we can? And how much are you actually trying to figure out what does a lineup look like for the All-Star game? Well, it's a bit of both, really, Paul. I I, I know that, you know, we're in the thick of it at this moment in time. And a lot of these guys, like my guys have, I've been playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for a few weeks. So, you know, most of the managers, I would think, in the MLS could have done without this game. And I'm really respectful of that. 
obviously. But now, you know, the players are here. The one thing that really shone through talking to the players this morning is, you know, they're very committed to this game on Wednesday night. And I think the fact that it's US versus Mexico, whichever way you want to dress it up, I think there's an extra little, you know, that little bit of spice there and there's an extra little bit of competitiveness there. You know, we talked to Walker Zimmerman this morning and he was saying he's, this is his third one on the trot and he felt the last one was the most competitive they've been. And the fact that they won it, albeit only on penalties, I think, I think that will go up a notch this time because the one thing that I think we're all really uh, sure of is the gap between the MLS and Liga MX has never been as close as it is now. And I think that gives that this tournament, uh, this tournament, this game, a lot more, a lot more, shall we say, um, a competitive edge than maybe some of the All-Star games have been in the past. Well, Adrian, um, you know, pivoting away a little bit from the All-Star game for a second, you grew up in in Stoke on Trent, uh-huh. uh, growing up playing on the streets there. Everyone likes to say, "Can you do it on a rainy night in Stoke?" You've been coaching in MLS and in the U.S. for a long time. Is there an equivalent to doing it on a rainy night in Stoke in MLS? Oh, is there? Let me think. I, for, for me, and it's only maybe because it, for us has been difficult place. Kansas in the past has been really difficult for us to go and play. You know, they've got great facilities. It's a great place to go and play, but it's not been particularly kind to us over the years. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question that there's not many places that are as, as gray and as difficult to stoke on a Tuesday <laughs> night, though, Paul. Yeah, a hot, a hot summer night in Kansas might be as close as we can get to that, Adrian. Yeah, um, in a 100-degree heat, yeah. How much, though, is that background growing up? You know, we talked about it a long time ago. Growing up playing on the, the streets in Stoke, that was where you got yeah. your education. Your 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 father or your grandfather was a gas fitter, and you, you talk mm-hmm. a lot about kind of remembering being in the stands and, and hearing the idea of this is someone's hard-earned money that they're paying to come watch you play. How much of, of that is still how you – manage how you think about the game how much of that stoke background is still there i don't think that will ever leave me you know that's what shaped me paul you know I, the, the players here will tell you and reynoso will have heard it over the last couple of years that we have an obligation to the people who pay money to come and watch us play to perform at our best every single time that we we cross that white line we should never take that for granted should never take the people who come and pay to watch us for granted and we're, we're a very, very, very privileged few who get the opportunity to do what all these people who pay to come and watch us would want to do. So, um, yeah, that will never leave me, Paul. And um, I think that shaped me as the man I am. And, um, you know, I think part of my job as a coach and as, as, as a coach and a friend of these guys is to never let them forget it and to maximize and do the best that they can in, in their career. And if that means me continually reminding him about them things, then I will do. I wonder, do you do you connect maybe to some of the South American players that the upbringing is very different culturally, but the idea is the yeah. same, coming from somewhere and, and not believing you could ever have a chance to be a professional footballer, to have that as your way out. I feel like that's that identifies a little bit yeah. with, with how you grew up. Yeah, I think culturally we might be miles apart that way. But in terms of the bottom line, no, it's exactly the same. You know, I, I speak to my South American players and, you know, I know the, the backgrounds that they've come from and not, not none of them have come from a privileged background. All of them have been given opportunity and been blessed with some soccer talent, but they've all made the most of it because they've seen it as that's the way that they're going to get from where they are to maybe start look after their own family better and look after their own 
the family, you know, the mom, dad, the brothers and the sisters, etc. And it's, I think that that's one of the reasons that they play the way they do. You know, that they have a street footballers mentality. And um, as long as they keep that, they will continue in them countries to produce the players that they do. Because, you know, the background and their environment they come from, that lends itself to, to actually being as competitive as they are. Adrian, you know, you, you left Stoke on a record transfer to Everton. Howard Kendall's yeah. Everton is what it became, winning a lot of trophies there, a ton of history at that club. And, you know, I couldn't help but, but smile this summer. You played Everton in a friendly, you beat them badly. And I'm sure you were hearing from your buddies and from fans that both uh, maybe giving you a bit of a hard time, but also a bit of concern considering what Everton went through last year. So how do you feel in, in beating your, your, your club in a friendly, but also maybe looking at the, the Premier League coming up and saying, oh, oh boy, are we in it? Are we in it again? Well, yeah, a bit of all. All of that, Paul. You know, I, I, I was so pleased for our, our football club, not just the team. We put on a really good show in terms of on the field, but off the field, I was so proud of our, our club, the way that we, we, we accepted Everton and we, we showed them what football is like in this country. They were really complimentary after about the game day atmosphere. They, they thought the stadium was magnificent. They thought our team was very, very good and we had some really good individuals. And then after the cold light day, you know, you wake up next morning and you go, if they don't bring some new forwards in, you know, I did say after the game that if Dominic Calvert-Lewin was to get injured, then it's going to be a struggle. And unfortunately, that's what happened to him last week. So, you know, the game at the weekend, like everybody, I watched the game with interest and a little bit toothless up front, never really looked like they were going to score a goal. So Frank's got a lot of hard work to do. I think he will do a really good job if he gets the tools. The one, you know, we've got this brand new stadium around the corner, which is going up now. The club just cannot afford to get relegated. They cannot. So, you know, I, I thought that after what happened last year, that might galvanise everybody. You know, that we're not going to go through that again. But uh, obviously the signs at the weekend weren't great. Yeah, I mean, the one trip I still have on my, my docket that I need to do is to see a game at Goodison before they take it down. I imagine yeah. you're going to want to get back there before the new stadium opens as well. Can is there a stadium, an atmosphere better than than Goodison on a on a, an important game night? No, not at all. I think for 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 the younger generation of Everton fans, I was actually pleased that they would have been there for that Crystal Palace game because they actually now see what the club represent, what it means to maybe their their father or their grandfather. It's it's still the most atmospheric ground in the in the country, bar none, when it's full. And under the lights and um, yeah I know that you're a real big football guy Paul it is one of them things that you have to do it's a little bit like being a baseball fan and not going to Wrigley or Fenway you know you've got to see this before it gets taken down do you do you guys have like a, a whatsapp chat or something with Peter Reed and all the guys from the Howard Kendall days together talking about the club and keeping up with each other we haven't got a collective but we we speak every week I, I was on the phone with Andy yesterday uh, Reedy two days ago, obviously Sharp, he's just been over, Kevin Sheedy, um, Kevin Kilban is here today, you know, he's working for Canadian uh, TV now, who was one of the players when I went back as a coach, so, no, it was a really tight-knit group, so, you know, I'm, I'm in close contact with all of them, and, you know, the one thing after the weekend, there was a bit of concern, obviously, because it was a pretty toothless performance at the weekend, and, um, but no, we're all in, we're all in real close contact, and the, the club is still close to us all. Adrian, looking at Minnesota United, I was going back, and obviously you guys had a, 
a more difficult start to MLS expansion days. But since 2019, um, you guys have been up there with the, the winningest teams and you with the winningest managers in MLS. Um, you mm-hmm. have six most points of any MLS manager since the 2019 season. Obviously, that means that Minnesota United has been having success on the field. What, what's been the big difference in, in kind of what's changed in Minnesota and, and how do you kind of continue to carry it forward? What are the expectations now for this club? Well, the expectations are to keep getting better, keep growing, incrementally get, keep making the squad better. You know, we haven't got the money to spend on a one-off like LA or the Galaxy or Toronto have just gone and done. You know, I think we are somewhere around the 18th in terms of spend on players and salary. So we've done really, really well. But you know me, Paul, I, I want to keep getting better. I want to keep improving. Um, we, we are now, we've got a fantastic stadium. We've got a, a really good training facility now. And now the investment needs to continue because as much as coaches think they're really important, and we are, but ultimately it's down to players. And, you know, you look at what the, the group of players that LAFC have put together and they're in our conference and you look at the Galaxy spending and you look at, you know, what Seattle normally do and, and you look at what Portland normally do. You know, it's a really tough conference. And, and if we're standing still, we're going to get left behind because everybody else is really spending money to to keep making their clubs bigger and better and stronger. And we have to do the same. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. I saw recent comments of yours after your contract extension was announced. You did an interview. You said maybe after this deal, you'll move upstairs permanently. I wonder, have you, when you really sit and think about that idea of moving upstairs, I mean, you've been on a field every day since you were, what, 15 years old? 15. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, what will that moment feel Long like to you? Do you think you're really ready for that, to go to go upstairs, to walk off of the field? 
No, no, at this moment, no, I'm not, Paul, but I'm really enjoying it. I've still got that same enthusiasm. I wake up every morning. I was so excited this morning to, to come here with all these top-class players and, you know, to get to meet them a little bit rather than just shaking hands with them after the game. And I was asked the question, would that be it then? I went, not at all. You know, I, I think I've got too much to offer, but too much experience, too much knowledge to just walk away. And if, if I could help when I decide that maybe I don't want to be on the grass every day, if I could help a, a young coach to go through the pitfalls of management and help the, the people in the front office to understand that, that role a little bit better, that's something that I'm, I'm, I've thought about. But no, there's no, there's no uh, immediate thought of, this might be my last year or my second to last year. At this moment in time, I'm still loving getting out there every day. Adrian, you're one of the best storytellers I know, so don't let me down here on this one. But, <laughs> you know, you, you played in England at, at a time when, you know, I think, you know, the hard men still existed in the game. You know, Vinnie Jones made a Hollywood career out, oh. of, out of being on the Soccer's Hard Men video, of course. Now he's an action star. Uh, you played against Vinnie Jones, but I wonder who was who the toughest guy the, the real soccer's hard men that you played with in, in the 80s in English football? Oh, where do I start? Well, I played with Peter Reid, for one, and I always remember we played Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals, oh, semifinals of the European Cup Winners' Cup, and Soren Lerby, the Danish international, who was a top player playing in centre midfield for, for Bayern Munich, and he double-footed Peter Reid, completely snapped his shin pad, ripped his sock, Reed, he had, I think, 12 stitches in his shin and his calf. And he got some cotton wool put around his leg. And before we came out, the blood was coming through his sock. And I looked at Soren Lerby when we come back out. Right? You could see, he thought, oh, Christ, this guy's coming back out again. And as you, <laughs> I can tell you what happened after that. You know what happened after that. Soren went off the field and uh, Reedy finished the game. So there were people like him. You know, I look at Big Billy Whitehurst, who people probably wouldn't have known was a centre forward in the lower leagues. Absolute animal. And Billy, you know, Billy could turn up on a Monday morning in the same suit that he left the game on Saturday <laughs> after the game. So he'd had a big weekend, Billy. And I, I spoke to Dean Saunders one day and he said Billy came in in his suit one day, same suit from the game after the game on Saturday, walked onto the training field and booted every single ball over the fence so we had no balls to train with. So they were a little bit different in them days, yeah. Paul, the, the players. And, you you know, you got away with an awful lot more in them days. So, uh, yeah, for sure, the game's changed. The personalities have changed and uh, the way that the players behave has changed. But uh, sometimes I wonder whether it's a good thing. But, uh, yeah, it was a really colourful time to be playing football in my day. I don't know if any of the number 10s and number 9s on your all-star roster uh, would be would be in for those types of tackles nowadays. Well, I think the game has just changed so much. You know, it's funny because obviously we've got all the, the South American guys, the Argentinians here, you've got Luciano Acosta, you've got Reynoso, you've got Druisi, and I'm talking about players and they all know my, my hero of all time is Diego Maradona. And obviously they are a different generation. They're, they're more messy. And, and then, I, then I, gave the, I gave them the reasons why. And then I go, have you seen some of the tackles in them days? The double footy tackles when the referee goes, that's your last one. So you used to get one or two of them before you'd even get the card. So uh, the game has changed for sure. But uh, yeah, I th it would be nice to play on these fields now, Paul, with the protection that these players get. I must yeah, I'm say. Sure. I'm sure. Well, well Maradona stay, stayed a hero after what he did to England in the World Cup. Correct. And begrudgingly, 
you know, and he tends to begrudgingly in England. I think because of his personality, the fighter instinct in him, he was hugely popular in England. Obviously, not so much for the hand of God. <laughs> well, Adrian, uh, speaking of the World Cup and, and, and England, quite a big matchup on Black Friday this year in November in Qatar, England against the U.S. You probably know both squads better than almost anyone else in the world, considering your your English background. And I know you keep up with the league there and, and knowing MLS and American player pool. What are your thoughts on, on that matchup? And let's just assume everyone stays healthy, which we know won't happen. Ideal squads on the field for both sides. What, what, are, the, what are the Americans have against them and, and what chances do they have in that game? I, I think the biggest one, Paul, for me is that if the U.S. get underestimated in this group, which there's a possibility they will, I think they'll go through. I think that Gareth Southgate and Steve Holland are smart enough to understand they will not underestimate the U.S. I actually think it's been a great draw for, for everybody. I expect England to go ahead and win the group, as I always do. I always get carried away. I always think football's coming home. I, I don't think any English person would not expect them to finish top of the group. I know, but they always let you down, so because <laughs> that's what normally happens. Um, but I think it's a great group, uh, draw and a great group for the for the U.S. I honestly believe that they can get a result against Wales and they'll get a result against Iran. I think it's a it's a really good opportunity for them. I think they're really well coached with Greg. I think they've got some really good young players, and if they can all put it all together at the right time, I don't see any reason why they won't go out to this group. And I think the biggest plus might be the fact that other teams underestimate them. And if they do, they could be in for a nasty shock. Yeah, you know, part of my job, especially with The Athletic when we expanded to the UK, I start to hear a lot of, of how this league is perceived, how Major League Soccer is perceived globally. The perception is starting to change as we've seen more Americans and more MLS players go overseas and find success. But I feel like there's still work to do with kind of the general public more than in the footballing world uh, how much do you have those conversations and, and what would your message be to, to people overseas, Everton fans who know you about what, what this league is about? I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think the people who don't know the league, Paul, are the ones who've still got that old-fashioned opinion of what the league is and what it represents. I think, you know, we played Everton here recently and, and I spoke for a couple of hours with Frank Lampard. He loves the league. He's got so much respect for it because, as he said, he played in Dallas one night at 108 degrees against all these young kids. And he said, I had a newfound respect for the league, finding out how difficult it is. And I think Wayne's quote when he went in at DC, when he goes, I feel as though it's disrespectful. People telling me that this is a backward step. It's strange. It's always the people who've never been here and actually seen it, seen the works of it and watched it consistently who have that old fashioned opinion of it. I think the people who are actually now looking at players who are coming out of this league. You know, we, we can't be other than impressed about some of the young guys now. Who are, you know, I wrote an article in the English paper last week where I said that I must have mentioned Alfonso Davies to four or five clubs. Initial reaction was, yeah, but, you know, it's MLS. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to buy Alfonso Davies for $100 million now, $100 million. That, that shows you the type of talent. I'm not saying they're all like Alfonso. But there is certainly talent here that could go and play in Europe and certainly go and play in England. And I think that perception is slowly changing, but it's changing within the, the sport itself, not some, necessarily the supporters and people who don't know what the league is. 
Well, you'll have the best of the best on Wednesday night at the All-Star Game to kind of showcase the very best in the league. The night before the game is the skills challenge. Adrian, I know that you still, from time to time, out on the field during training, want to show players what's what. Are you going to gonna try to step out and try, try your hand at some of these skills challenges? I don't think I've been invited, Paul, but I would look to have a go at some of the skills what I've seen. But uh, I still play head tennis. I can still win. A, I can still win head tennis games. Um, but Ray's representing us, I think. So we're, we're going to be represented by somebody who's very, very talented, and I think we'll do really, really well. You know, he's got. Uh, for me, he's one of the best players in the league when he's at his best, and uh, I hope that he can show everybody what he's about in the next uh, in the next uh, couple of days. You finish up with this game Wednesday. You go back into the thick of the schedule. The race is on in MLS. Uh, like you said, you pointed out, I mean, both conferences. I'm looking at the East. There are nine teams fighting for three spots in the playoffs right now. The West, maybe not as tight, but a lot of teams in it. Uh, what are your expectations for that that back half of the season, the back part of the season? Well, I went through everybody's fixtures last week and was trying to come up with some idea of, you know, what what would we need in terms of points-wise. Yeah. And everybody's got such a really brutal schedule on the way in that I think it's going to be like it was last year, Paul. You know, we we played the last game of the season in in LA against the Galaxy. If we won the game, we finished fourth and had a home field playoff game. If we lost it, we could have been out of the playoffs. You know, so I'm not sure it's going to be as tight as that. But I honestly believe that come the ultimate or the last game of the season, there's going to be four or five teams with an opportunity to get in. So every point's going to be crucial between now in the end of the season and if we can continue where we've gone on we give ourselves a good chance but we're really going to have to play well in the next 10 10 11 games well i hope you enjoy the game on wednesday night before you have to start stressing about results again and you know adrian my favorite quote of of mls this season was bruce arena talking about having a, a bottle of wine or two uh with you the last time he was in town i hope Maybe, maybe Bruce is there, maybe not, but I hope that, uh, that you have a little bit of fun with uh, whoever is in town for the festivities because the All-Star Game is, is a showcase for the league and a chance for people to get together as well. Yeah, I, I think as much as this is all new for me, obviously I don't have these in Europe or in, certainly in England, it's, it's been really nice to get so many people together and get a little bit more time to them. You know, that, that time when we were with Bruce and it was me, Bruce and Gio, I think we ended up with quite a few bottles of wine, but it was great to meet <laughs> Bruce. For me, he's one of the, you know, the statesmen of this league and very, very different from the, the sort of persona that you see perceived on the TV. And uh, no, it was great to meet him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good fun, few, good, fun few days, Paul. But, uh, and then we get back to the grind of the league again. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. Appreciate you coming on. Anytime, Paul, you know that.